Hello and welcome to the Trinity Fit Over 40 podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the truth about dry January, both the benefits and also the drawbacks, as well as why it doesn't always work out so well for women over 40. So sit back and relax and welcome to today's podcast. So we speak to a lot of professional women over 40 and one thing that a lot of people are doing this year is dry January. We've had a few people on the on the comments on social media saying that they're taking part in that. And for women with busy careers, it's kind of also all too easy to slip into a cycle of drinking to cope with the stress and the pressure that comes with a high power job, which is one of the reasons people turn to dry January. And some people find themselves, you know, kind of reaching for that wine after work, starting with a glass, which eventually turns into a bottle waking up the next day feeling groggy and hungover and then struggling to get all of their work done, feeling even more stressed and then turning to the alcohol again to cope with that. And other people find that they're they're able to control that drinking during the week, but they just can't seem to stay on track over the weekends. And of course, drinking too much also leads to eating all the wrong foods as well, as well as it being a load of excess calories, meaning that every Saturday and Sunday for some people becomes this two day blowout, the horrible hangover on Monday morning and this out of control drinking can also quickly lead to extra pounds creeping on around the middle, especially for women who are already in their 40s and 50s who are dealing with physical and hormonal changes, which come when they're when they're heading towards the menopause. And that can make it easier to gain weight and more difficult to lose it in the first place. And you add alcohol to the to the mix and it makes it even more likely that you're going to put on those excess pounds. So a lot of people do dry January to try and break out of this alcohol cycle, but they either struggle to do it for the entire month so they start out with good intentions but they fall off track or they do it they manage to get through the month but they just go back to drinking exactly the same amount once it's over and nothing really changes in the long term so in this week's podcast we're going to break down exactly why dry january is not the ideal thing for professional women over 40 and what you can do instead to keep your alcohol under control to lose weight and to feel amazing wearing anything that you like so first things first, we do want to go through what the benefits are of dry January, because you may be doing it. And I, I, I'm not saying don't do it in this podcast. We're not just saying don't do it, but consider that it's not really going It may not be the fix you're looking for. A lot of people do it in the new year um, and not necessarily for the right reasons. So the reasons dry January can be good is, first of all, a reset is the best way to break a bad habit initially. So if you do find that you always end up in this habit of drinking too much, as Ben said, you can get in these cycles of hangover, low energy and all of this stuff that comes with drinking too much or just all that weight gain, especially around the middle. We tend to see a lot of people gain weight around the middle from drinking too much combined with hormonal changes. Then it's a good way to break that habit and to start afresh, at least with alcohol. And it's much more effective than just trying to ease out of a bad habit, just trying to drink a little bit less, just the same as we've talked about before with things like sugar, just trying to eat a little bit less sugar um, doesn't really work. You kind of have to have a hard reset, but then you need a game plan beyond that. And we'll talk about that. That's generally what's missing. But dry January is also good because alcohol makes hormonal changes worse. And with a lot of the women we work with, they may be perimenopausal, which can be five to 10 years before official sort of clinical menopause so it can be happening in your early 40s you may not be even that aware but it can make things like joint pain and aches that you can get with perimenopause worse it can make migraines worse that can come with it, it can make hot flushes a lot worse it can make a brain fog worse so all of these things that really don't help with day-to-day life and don't help with your mood and how you feel 
that can come with hormonal changes are just made worse. They're exacerbated by alcohol. It also, as Ben mentioned, contains a lot of hidden calories. So there's seven calories um, per gram in, uh, in alcohol, whereas carbs, which often get a really bad rep, actually only have four calories per gram. And protein also four calories per gram. Whilst fats, so pure fat like oil and something like that, that has nine calories per gram. So it's actually somewhere in the middle and a bit closer to pure fat, which a lot of people will avoid. Um, things like oil and butter and stuff like that. It's much closer to that than carbs or protein. So there's a lot of hidden calories in alcohol, whether that's wine, whether that's beer, whether that's spirits, um, whatever it is you like to drink. And no one can lose, lose weight if they're consuming too many calories. It doesn't matter on your situation or even how much exercise you're doing. If you're consuming too many calories, there's nothing you can do. And it's very easy to do that from alcohol. So in a lot of cases, a couple of bottles of wine a week or a glass or two a night could be the difference between you losing a stone in 12 weeks and not losing a thing. So it really can stack up. So doing dry January will bring that calorie intake down from alcohol. It may not actually be a, a good enough overall solution to get you to lose weight, but it will bring down that, those um, calories coming in from alcohol. So that is a benefit. And then the, the last sort of benefit of dry January or reducing your alcohol intake or cutting it all together, I suppose, is alcohol can have a really negative, well, it does have a really negative impact on sleep. It can get you off to sleep better. So some people might have a drink, think it's going to get them off to sleep if they're stressed or anxious. But once you're trying to sleep, it will really disrupt your sleep quality. You'll wake up throughout the night. Uh, you have, um, you'll be hot and cold in bed. You'll have night sweats. And generally, it just leads to really poor quality of sleep. And it also means people will often stay up later drinking and or don't get enough sleep. And if you don't get enough sleep, it will disrupt your hunger hormones, um, which will make it much harder to make good choice. It'll make you hungrier all day. It can also, poor sleep, as we all know, lead to really poor mood. I definitely am very grumpy if I don't get enough sleep. And it will ruin your energy levels as well. So if you struggle with low energy, it could be from low sleep caused by alcohol. And this can cause that kind of a vicious cycle where if you have poor energy, then you don't work effectively. So then your workday drags on, you can't focus very well. So then you work late into the night, which means you don't sleep enough again, and then you're stressed. So then you have a drink and then it creates this sort of vicious cycle of not working effectively because you're not sleeping well and then getting on the booze to deal with the stress because you're falling behind with work and you know dealing with the family responsibilities and everything. It feels like it's all out of control and the booze just exacerbates all of that. And it also makes, as Ben mentioned, sweet and salty sort of comfort food a lot more appealing the next day. So it can also lead you to eat too much. So none of that is going to help you lose weight over 40. I think we all know that drinking too much has a lot of negative side effects that will make it much, much harder um, to lose weight. So there's a lot of good reasons to give up alcohol if you want to lose weight um, and, you know, be on point with work and, and at home with the family as well, Bring you know, be your best self. But there's also a lot of problems with just doing dry January on its own. So I'll let Ben kick off. What, what do you think are some of the main problems with dry January that people don't necessarily consider? So it's kind of, there's, there's two main problems, I would say. So the first one is there's no real long-term plan with dry January. So most people don't have any plan before dry January and they don't have any plan after dry January. They just go straight back into their bad habits. So, you know, they'll go back to drinking when stressed, drinking to reward themselves, drinking to... Um, celebrate when they've achieved something at work drinking when there's a stressful family situation and like a lot of clients of ours have, have mentioned that they've had kind of an extra boozy 
December or an extra boozy time over Christmas and New Year, just because that they knew they were going to do dry January. So it's almost kind of having that last extra boozy blowout before then going into um, a week of strictly having no alcohol. And then as soon as February starts again, they have another kind of blowout to, to celebrate dry January ending. So effectively, this just cancels it out completely. So if somebody was to just drink a moderate amount through December, January and February, they probably see in, be in exactly the same position with their weight as the person who has like the really boozy December, cuts it out over January and then has a really boozy February as well. So one problem is because it is a short term thing, because it's one month out of 12 over the whole year, it can lead to this kind of binging and then restricting yourself cycle. So it's, it's not really a long term solution. And then the, the second problem this can cause is it doesn't really fix the underlying problem. So cutting out alcohol temporarily is only ever going to lead to temporary results. And usually there is an underlying reason why people are drinking too much in the first place. So firstly, it's, it's kind of important to understand what too much actually is. So the current UK guidelines from the NHS advise limiting alcohol intake to 14 units a week for women and for men. So this is equivalent to drinking no more than about six pints of average strength beer. So kind of 4% beer or seven medium-sized glasses of wine. So 175 mil um, glass of wine per week. So if you're drinking that much, it doesn't really mean you're an alcoholic, even if you're drinking maybe slightly more than that. But if you're drinking any more than that, you're, you're definitely going to be drinking too much to be healthy and far too much to lose weight. Like you can def you can get away with drinking a certain amount of alcohol and maintain your weight and see no changes. You know, if you're doing a bit of exercise, you're not eating too badly. You're having a few drinks over the course of the week, eat, drinking up to the, the kind of limit that they set. You'll probably be able to maintain your weight. But if you want to see real, the best possible results and get your weight down, um, you can't kind of drink that normal limit. That's just for somebody, in my opinion, who's, who's just trying to stay exactly the same. So, yeah, the, so there are kind of a few solutions then to solve what, what these these kind of um, deeper problems, these underlying problems are, and I'll let Rob kind of start with those and, and go through go through those. Yeah, so it's important that we identify what the root cause is, and it could be different from you, well, it will be different for you from other people too. There's a few main reasons we see people um, will drink, and we work with clients to get a handle on this so that they can, as Ben said, they're not really gonna be able to lose weight if they're steadily drinking basically what you said there the sort of nhs recommended amount which is about a glass a night or um just under a pint a day which generally it's wine with the clients we work with but a glass a night is often the low end of the spectrum when someone is struggling with this kind of thing so what we need to do is identify that root cause and come up with solutions to that root cause because otherwise you're going to do dry january and then you're just going to go straight back to the same habit because that's your your sort of coping strategy doesn't mean you're an alcoholic or anything like that, but it just means you're using that as sort of a little bit of a crutch um, to deal with these different things. And if you don't deal with this, these things at their cause, then you're just going to go back to drinking and then you're going to regain the weight within, within a month or so. And then there's going to be, in my opinion, there's not really any point doing something if, if, if it's not going to improve your life for the, for the rest of your life, or at least for a long time. If it's only going to improve your life for a month, then you go back to square one it's a lot of effort for, for no real reward. So let's go through these root causes then. And we're going to start with one of the main ones, I think, at the moment for people, which is boredom. So those of you who are on live, 
Um, we always do this podcast live if you're listening to the recording um, on Facebook, Instagram. Comment below with a yes if you if you're finding you know you're more bored in the last year than you have been previously with lockdowns and coronavirus and all of this stuff going on. Um, there's no shame in it. I've certainly had more periods of boredom. Um, also, some there's some be- benefits, but it's been a lot tougher. Like we're back in lockdown again now. It's very easy to get bored. And what we see with clients is if they if a client the only thing they really have to look forward to each week is that bottle of wine at the end of the week and they're just getting through the work week. Every day is a struggle, you know, back-to-back Zoom meetings, reporting to managers, you know, things are going wrong. They're firefighting. The email inbox is filling up constantly. And then they just can't wait to get that glass of wine at the end of the day or that bottle of wine at the end of the week, pull out the cork, pour a big glass and just sit back. And that's that's the thing, the only thing they've really got to look forward to. Then it's going to be really, really hard to actually reduce alcohol intake long-term if that's the only thing um you have that's coming up that's it's exciting and it's definitely the case for a lot of people um and it's easy to get in that situation because food and alcohol we're talking about alcohol today they're both very quick fixes for this they're much quicker than like some of the solutions we talk about like planning out some quality time with someone or getting a hobby they're low effort all you do is pour it you drink it and you feel a bit better temporarily but it's important if you do want to lose weight and be happier and healthier and you know not be so dependent on alcohol or turn to it whenever you get stressed or bored is to have a hobby or have a reason to look forward to. So it could be during lockdown, pick up something you used to do. Maybe you used to play an instrument, maybe you used to be creative and paint or knit or, you know, do some dressmaking or something like that. Maybe you used to love to read. A lot of adults we find working with them have kind of lost these along the way, especially if, if it, with the mums we coach, they're so focused on developing their children and you know giving them every opportunity. They kind of forget about themselves. They don't prioritize themselves and their own happiness. And they forget that as humans, we need other things other than just work and family. Their life is going to be pretty boring then. And then that's why you're going to turn to drink. So even if you love your job, you're going to need to find time to have a bit of a hobby. I know Ben loves climbing. That's the thing you look forward to most right at the moment. Um, yeah, I love yeah. to get out on my bike. So I do some mountain biking. And these, these are all also beneficial because these are hobbies which burn some extra calories, um, keep us fit as well. But it doesn't have to be one like that. I don't know, Ben, do you have any other, other things that you do that you sort of class as a hobby that are not exercised based? Um, I guess it's just those things that you're kind of, yeah, so exercise-based hobby for me would be climbing but then also I'm interested in things like photography and cameras um cars so I won't find myself getting bored if I'm thinking I need something to do I might you know read an article about cars or something or have a look at some photos about a certain camera or I'll I'll be thinking about other things rather I won't just go straight to food alcohol etc yeah that's a really good point I think I'd like if I'm thinking about this coming weekend some people might think this is really sad but one thing I've been looking forward to might be this weekend and the next one but is I've got a a new radio to fit to my I've got an old car it's 21 years old um, and I'd like to do some little tweaks to it so I've got this new radio that I'm going to fit into it and um, I'm going to have bluetooth in this old car and that's going to be great so I'm looking forward to kind of putting that in when I can Um, and that just having something else to look forward to like that, I think is really helpful. I've also recently got my mountain bike um, here, which wasn't, wasn't stored anywhere near where I lived for a long time. And I'm looking forward to being able to go out on that. I went out on that last weekend and that not only kept me active, but it doesn't really have to be an active thing, but it's something that, that um, 
that then meant I, you know, I was excited to do it rather than just a weekend looming. And it's kind of like, what am I going to do? If, if that's the case, uh, you're probably going to end up eating or drinking. So that's one thing is to get a hobby or pick back up. And, you know, if you can't think of one, pick back an up an old hobby. And it's obviously got to be one you can do in lockdown at the moment, but there's still loads of things. And another thing that I found with clients that's, that's also kept them busy and sort of also given them that sense of reward is a lot of people are having clear outs at the moment. It's the new year. Um, we heard, certainly did that. I took loads of clothes to the, um, to the sort of clothes bank recycling place where they go to charities um and you know i've got clients who are decorating rooms or you know planning renovations um ben's you may have noticed got some new shelves in the background there these yeah. things are simple but they they keep you busy and we've got to keep busy this you know with, with other purposes other than you know just aimlessly kicking your feet around working and therefore ending up drinking and then my last example of this is it's a little bit tricky at the moment because we're all under restrictions, but one of my clients, Becky has been really, really effective with this um, is she does lots of interesting things. She like grows her own fruit and veg in the garden, which keeps her busy. Um, it's recently just got a paddle board, which is uh, really cool as well. So that's some new hobby she's taking up, um, which is, you know, Colbert keeps her active and is a break from the family as well, which is I think really important, but prior to lockdown, she was also booking, booking off with her husband a, a night a week so it's tuesday night for her and her husband had friday night off a week where they did something for themselves so she would go to a cafe if she could go or and um, do it she'd do like an online yoga class go to a cafe have dinner on her own which might sound weird to people you don't have to do that much but that's what she enjoyed doing took a book with her and just had an evening to herself and she looked forward to that every week so she had something exciting to look forward to and again it doesn't turn into drinking because there's nothing else to do and nothing to look forward to so um she's done really well she, she's dropped a couple of dress sizes maintaining a size eight and looking amazing buying loads of new clothes that she can kind of rock once we're out of this situation um as well and been sharing them in our group so she's a great example again of someone who's who's um planned in some stuff to avoid boredom and therefore has really really benefited from it so that's the first one boredom you need to have a strategy so that you're not just leading to boredom drinking so the second one is is basically emotional issues. So if someone is unhappy with an aspect of their life, it can lead to drinking to numb that pain and to try and forget about it. So it could be anything from relationship problems to financial worries to not enjoying work, family grievance, just worrying about you know what they're seeing on the news or something else. But there may be times in life, and there are always going to be times in life, where you have to kind of endure and work through the, the stages of grief when one of these traumatic things happens, whether that's losing a family member, going through a relationship breakup, or you know, losing a job, or any other change of situation like that. Um, but there are other times in life when you may be in a situation you know, where you're you're not feeling great in terms of your your own emotional state, and your mental health, and it may be that something needs to change. So whether that's breaking out of a failing out a failing relationship that's not really working for you or leaving a job that you hate and is just grinding you down or, or change to a different career something that's more fulfilling and makes you happier um or kind of getting help with spending controlling your money um you know keeping keeping your finances in check but either way whatever the reason is that, that you, know, you may be experiencing negative emotions and then turning to alcohol to deal with that the better way to deal with it is to find a different outlet to process and to to deal with your emotions so that could be different depending on what the situation is and it could be different depending on the person because different things work for different people but some things that we found to work 
well for most of our clients and things that we add into our program. First of all, do mindset work. So we have a very simple mindset routine um, in the next the next part. Rob, Rob's going to kind of cover that and go through that in a bit more detail. But doing mindset work and working on your mindset, working through the the negative emotions that you're feeling and kind of getting, um, you know, processing through that can help you to feel better. So if you feel crap, there's two, kind of two ways to deal with it. Either you avoid it and you numb it out and you just drink to cover it up or you actually work through those feelings. And there's, you know, there's millions of different types of mindset work and tools out there. But if you can work through your negative emotions, then you can process them in a healthier way, which doesn't lead to alcohol and all of those uh, related negative side effects. If you feel that, you know, you're not sure where to start with working through whatever mindset issues that you're, you're dealing with, you can, of course, seek professional help. So, you know, there's, there are therapists and doctors and people out there who can help you and just, you know, you can just sit and talk through things with somebody um, and figure those issues out with some external help. And there's, you know, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in asking for help and, and getting some, some advice and some support to work through something difficult. If you think that that could be the thing that means that you don't have to turn to alcohol to deal with those negative emotions, then it could be that that's the step you need to take and that's the avenue that you need to pursue. Other things that you could do is you could talk to friends or family, somebody else who you you can confide in who, you, who can support you and, have, and can help you and just allow you to kind of express those emotions. Um, so yeah, you can also just talk to a friend, pick up the phone, call someone and just talk through those issues with them rather than struggling alone, bottling the issues up and then turning to alcohol. And the final thing that can really help with those kind of emotional issues, whether it's low mood or feeling anxious or worrying about things is just doing plenty of exercise. So exercise is a really, really, really good mood booster. So whether that's just making sure you get out of the house every day, get some daylight, get some fresh air, go for a walk, which I would say is absolutely essential to keep on your mood high at the moment. Any day, there, there are rarely days when I actually just stay in the house all day, but any day when I do just stay in the house and I don't manage to get out or go and go for a walk or anything, I notice that my mood is definitely worse. So just getting out of the house, getting some fresh air definitely helps. Um, but other things can also have a huge benefit. So you Yoga is something that I do quite regularly as well. And I find that usually before doing yoga, I probably feel a bit stressed. I'm feeling like stiff and tense. I do yoga. And by the time I get to the end and they say, now breathe out and go into Shavasana, which is always what you're waiting for after standing in some awkward pose for 20 minutes or whatever. Um, whenever I lie back and go into that final pose, relaxing on the mat, I'm suddenly like a lot more chilled and relaxed. And when you feel chilled and relaxed it's easier to feel happy and feel positive and to to not feel um the need to turn to alcohol or something to deal with your negative emotions so you know you can do yoga but any other exercise so cardio exercise is fine running cycling anything that you do in the house um the type of exercise we recommend to our clients as well so we recommend something called low impact strength training which is an exercise you can do at home um, with just a very small simple selection of weights and equipment and especially good when it's freezing cold outside and you might not want to go out and go for a jog in the cold, um, but you can do it in the comfort of your own home. And even that is going to help you to boost your mood and feel better. So just getting moving and exercising in general can, can really help you to elevate your mood and not need to turn to alcohol to deal with those negative emotions. And that's probably going to be something, well, it definitely is going to be something that's going to help with the next point I'm going to talk about as well, which is kind of the fine final root cause that we see that often leads to drinking um, with people that we work with is stress. So 
it's quite a blanket term, but alcohol is a sedative and a depressant, which affects your central nervous system. So what this means is at first, at least drinking can reduce your sort of level of fear and take your mind off your travels. So it can help you feel, you know, all, all sorts of different things. We all know what it, what it can do. Like you can feel less shy if you're socializing, if you're stressed about socializing, it can give you a, you know, a temporary boost in mood. If you're feeling low, it can also make you feel sort of generally a bit more relaxed when you first have a drink or two. But the problem is that these are all temporary things. Um, it's a temporary fix for stress, but it's not one that's going to help you a to lose weight. So if you're doing, you know, if you, if you're drinking too much, you're just not going to lose weight. It's also not going to help you to kind of improve your health and happiness long-term. And again, most people know this, but I have to kind of repeat it. It's not going to help those things, but alcohol can be that sort of temporary fix for stress, but it's not a long-term solution if you want to be healthy and happy because for the people we work with, at least their life is stressful every single day. They have really stressful jobs. They're in back-to-back meetings. A lot of them also have family they're responsible for, both younger generations of the family and older generations of the family that they might be getting ill now and starting to need more help and looking after. The level of stress just increases in our experience for women over 40 and, and, and in their 50s as well. So you could use alcohol to deal with that but it's going to give you the opposite effect you want in terms of your weight and in terms of your health, in terms of your long-term sort of happiness and well-being. So what we recommend you do is instead is to proactively manage that stress. That stress is going to happen either way. So either you can proactively manage it by doing things you choose to do, or you can sort of reactively manage it by just turning to drink and, and, and booze. So you need a way to dissipate stress. And in our experience, you need a way to dissipate stress every single day because it's going to be coming in every single day so that that stress level doesn't get too high and doesn't spill over. And we've talked about this analogy before, but you can imagine stress being like a, a bath with the plug in and both taps on full blast and that water's coming in, which represents the stress and that water level is rising is just like your stress levels rising. And every single day for you, this is probably what life is like. The taps are on full, the plugs in and the stress level is rising. And what happens when it gets to the top, if you don't have a way to, 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 you know, manage that stress and take the plug out, it's going to rise and rise and rise and overflow and cause a mess. And that's when it leads to drinking, it's when it leads to you know, stress eating and things as well. But in this case, we're going to talk about drinking. So for a lot of people, they will just turn to booze to numb it all out and sort of forget about it. But that's never going to work. So you need some way of taking that plug out so that the stress level comes down and do that every single day. So it never gets to the point where it's overflowing and causing a load of other problems in your life. So inside our programs, we use a tool daily or our clients use a tool daily called the stress shield which helps them to dissipate stress and it's three simple things that take no more than seven minutes a day it's a, it's a special form of meditation journaling and some mindset work they, they get a journal for this they fill it out every single day it takes about seven minutes and what it means is our clients are able to manage stress without turning to booze um and you know going down that old path with alcohol that used to derail their progress which means they lose weight quicker they feel miles better. They have way more energy and, you know, their life is just that much more brighter for it. And I know Ben has a great, um, a great testimonial for one of his clients, Sarah, that he wants to share with you that shows you kind of what is possible when you proactively manage stress, when you do all these things we talked about today, when you have um, tools to manage those emotional issues that can lead to drinking um, or boredom. And also you just generally have some tactics in place that means you can enjoy alcohol in moderation 
without um, without having to resort to extreme things like dry January. So Sarah says, she says, I was a size 14 to 16. I felt unhappy, nearing an alcoholic, tired, unfocused, affecting everything at work and home. I tried lots, Jason Vale, Kim Beach, Weight Watchers a long time ago, aloe vera, all quick fixes. And I've never stuck to something for 48 weeks, which is how long she stuck to our program for. She said, before joining, I was skeptical about the cost and that it was run by two young men, that it was all online. So I wouldn't be seeing anyone in person and at the work, I was, I was skeptical of the work involved to log everything. So after working with her, she says, physically, the change has been very dramatic. I've lost 45 and a half pounds. So that's from 11 stone, three and a half to eight stone, gone from a size 14 to 16 down to a size eight to 10. She says, I bought my first size eight clothes and I'm still amazed that they fit. My body feels strong. I love my new arm muscles and my legs feel great. I'm enjoying running as I feel fit and confident. I never miss my weight sessions. I remain focused on them. I'm a role model to my kids. They see how much effort I put in and see and comment on how well I've done. Never feel hungover, so always ready for the day, whatever happens. I've been able to help out with my family, including late night trips to hospital, and I feel empowered and strong and ready to make bigger choices with my own life and get back to being me. That is a really amazing testimonial there from Sarah. And how long have you guys worked together? Has that been, that was last year, was it? Yeah, so definitely over the period of um, a year. It must be a bit more now. This was, this was at the 48 week mark. Um, I think she's, she, she's basically continuing now, but with more limited support than before. But yeah, Sarah has done amazing. And the, the transformation photo as well is absolutely incredible. It's like night and day. And you're going to be sharing that with, our, with, with people who get our emails, right? At some point. Yeah, I'll post that out onto our email list soon. Um, if you're not already on there, there's a few different ways you can join. If you're on our social media channels, just uh, find the link to our website somewhere. If you sign up for any of our free guides or free information, you'll be able to get onto our onto our email list for you know, more free tips, information, and, and success stories. And if anyone's interested, so they've heard what Sarah's achieved, you know, 45 pounds lost last year, despite all the coronavirus stuff in a much better place with alcohol there for a family now whenever they need it. Um, where can people go to find out more about the program, our Fit Over 40 program that Sarah used? So if you want to find out more about our Fit Over 40 program, the exact program that Sarah followed, and you want to get your hands on all of the details of that, just head to www.fit40info.com and you can get all of the details on that page. Perfect. So go and check that out. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Trinity Podcast. And we'll be back next week for another episode and we'll see you then. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the Trinity Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button inside your podcast app so you don't miss future shows. And also please leave us a quick review. It only takes two minutes. We do all of these shows completely for free to help you. So we'd really appreciate a quick review if it's helped you at all. So thank you again so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of the Trinity Podcast.